for the June 30th, 2023 edition of Weekly Signals Weekly Review, a personal recollection of the last 168 hours of history, broadcasting on Dinosaur Day from the University of California at Irvine on KUCI 88.9 FM. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Caspar. And as always, a mascot, a poet, a friend, Mahler, the fake news dog. Today, we'll be talking about a corporation's right to vote, selling body parts, rebranding Apple, hell, and so much more, but first... You ever feel like you're living on a choppy sea of space and time, Mike? Wow. Um, uh, yeah, about once a week. About once a week. Yeah, yeah. I do. Does no, it, I don't. Is it yeah, yeah. I just side with anything <laughs> no, else. Just, just uh, metaphysically, I do, but physically, not so much. Metaphysically, you do. So in your yeah, in your in, mind, in my, in my mind, I know that this little rock that we're gravitationally attracted to uh-huh. is very, very, very small in the grand scheme of the universe. And it does give me pause now and then. Pause. Yes. Mm-hmm. From the American Physics Society newsletter, in a major discovery, mm. scientists say space and time churn like a choppy sea. Oh, okay. Yeah. The intriguing finding suggests that everything around us is constantly being bounced by low-frequency gravitational waves. Telescopes across the planet have seen signs of a gravitational wave background that seems to affirm an astonishing implication of Albert Einstein's general theory of relativity that until now has been far too subtle to detect. In Einstein's universe, space is not serenely empty, and time does not march smoothly forward. Instead, The powerful gravitational interactions of massive objects, including supermassive black holes, are rippling the fabric of space and time. This gravitational wave background doesn't, I repeat, does not explain why some days you feel out of sorts. It's not that kind of It does not do that. No. But it does offer insight into the physical reality we live in. The announcement carries an echo of another milestone in the history of cosmology, In 1965, two physicists at Bell Laboratories reported that they had detected the signal of something previously theorized, cosmic microwave background radiation. That signal offered landmark evidence that the universe was created by the Big Bang. And now this. Hmm. We're rippling. Astounding. Is this part of an explanation for dark matter, or is that something else entirely well i imagine it uh, plays into dark matter but it's not okay we're not talking about dark matter here it's it's the i suppose dark matter we're asking now could it be rippling and that's what it is saying yeah that everything is just in a uh, flux that it's not constant that things might not be as measurable as we like to think yeah and if they are they're far more complex than I i don't know if i should be I have no control over it, so I shouldn't be terrified of the idea that things are as soundingly unstable as you, the, the implication. But, but at the same time, it's amazing. I mean, it's phenomenal on a, on a scientific level, and it's phenomenal in the way that you would hopefully, moving forward, look at the world, right? 
Yeah, and the other thing I think, too, is everybody's saying it's mind-blowing, but we've been saying this for years, or at mm. least Albert Einstein yeah. has been has had this theory out there, and we're finally starting to get the evidence that a lot of what he has theorized is actually true, Yeah, as far as we know so far. It's a journey, Mike. It is a journey. Yeah. It is a journey. Yeah. What is it, Mahler? <laughs> Space and time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, his wife had a fair amount to do with the theories. Mahler's wife? <laughs> Was her name Alma? You're thinking of Alfred Hitchcock. I Alfred, Albert Einstein's wife, by all accounts, uh-huh. had a lot to do with him helping him formulate a lot of these theories. I'm I don't sure know to the degree she had. So. Just one of Well, I will say from now on, Albert and Alma. <laughs> you know, or just I mean, the Einsteins. The Einsteins. Yeah. yeah. The nice couple down the street. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Have you been feeling off kilter? I know we've talked about you know, space and time. but <laughs> <laughs> A lot more in the last minute or so. Yeah, yeah. But how about just kind of like off kilter? Just not. Yeah. 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 Not, there are days. Not on a choppy sea of no, space just, and time, but just a just, little bit crooked. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, from live science, according to a new study, rampant removal of groundwater for drinking and irrigation has altered the distribution of water on Earth enough to shift the planet's tilt. Wow. Yeah. We're taking that much groundwater. Wow. Out. The finding underscores the dramatic impact human activity can have on the planet. Humans pump most of their drinking water from natural underground reservoirs called aquifers. You've heard of them Mm. things. Mm -hmm. Researchers calculate that between 1993 and 2010, we removed a total of 2,150 gigatons. That's 2,150 billion tons or 21.5 trillion tons of groundwater. That's a lot of groundwater. That is a lot of groundwater. Slice it there. Enough to fill 860 million Olympic swimming pools. That gives you. <coughs> we do love. Still, it's hard to. You know, it we out, do you love know. Olympic swimming pools as yeah. a way of measuring things. It's been, yeah, it's kind of the standard. I, I will say, a lot of that water has gone, hopefully, gone back into the groundwater and into the aquifers. But I fear that it may. Well, not. they're saying, yeah, probably some of it has, yeah. but yeah. according to the new study published in the journal geophysical research letters, moving all that water has shifted the Earth's tilt 31.5 inches eastward. That's So we're approaching a yard. Yeah. That's a, it's a chunk. You yeah, know? it is a chunk. For, for it is tilting around like that. Yeah. I noticed the mornings were coming on a little bit earlier these days. Yeah. Oh, because of the yeah, 31 so, inches? Yeah, yeah, 31 inches. Yeah, I, well, I, it kind of creeps up over a saddle back there, the sun does. Yeah. 31 inches sooner. <laughs> if you find yourself tipping eastward these days, may I recommend a donation to KUCI to even you out? Just go to KUCI.org. Your generous donation is how we stay on air. Commercial-free, free-form, free-speech radio, KUCI 88.9 FM. Nathan? Yeah. Melina. Melina Einstein. Einstein. Melina. Contributed according to this. You're calling her Alma. I know. I don't know I did that. Uh, According to Scientific American, 
There is evidence that she contributed significantly to his groundbreaking science. Well, there you go. Well, and she baked the cookies, too. She, yeah, because <laughs> Albert really liked chocolate chip he, cookies. He wasn't just a guy yeah, with big exactly. hair. Albert Einstein, he wasn't just a guy with big hair. From Science News. <laughs> Flowers. <laughs> this is your story about honeybees, Mike. Okay. Because yeah, you like the bees. Love the bees. From Science News. Flowers pollinated by honeybees make fewer and lower quality seeds than flowers visited by other pollinators. Fewer and lower quality seeds hmm. from the honeybees. Hmm. That could be because honeybees spend more time buzzing between flowers of the same plant than other pollinators do. As a result, more of the plant's own pollen is deposited back on itself, leading to more inbred seeds. Mm. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the royal family. <laughs> These findings emphasize the importance of prioritizing pollinators like moths, butterflies, and native wild bees in conservation efforts. That was a good deal. Yeah, We're always going on about honeybees, and you got to love them. We do. But yeah. there's lots of insects out there that need our help. Yes. You just don't want to swat everything that comes along. Wait a minute. Don't, don't kill that one. It's a honeybee. Yeah, yeah no. Yeah, we, really, yeah, yeah. yeah, so. What is it, mother? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a silly dog. Mm -hmm. I don't know why we put up with him here. I don't either. It makes actually. a lot of noise. And then there's the... Yeah, oh, there's a whole... Yeah, the, the maintenance. Yeah. The, the maintenance part of yeah. living with Mahler is yeah, challenge. From BBC News, toxic algal blooms are killing hundreds of sea lions and dolphins here along the coast of California's southern beaches. More than 1,000 marine animals have become sick or died in June, according to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. Experts say algal blooms pose a seasonal issue, but climate change is worsening the problem. Rescue groups are getting more than 200 reports of marine mammals in distress every day. And you can guess that there are many more unreported. Yeah. I was just reading this morning before I left that uh, the sea lions are getting uh, cranky. So if you see one just laying there, it might be suffering from a toxic algal infection. Right. And it will not attack you if you leave it alone, but if you, go, if you think you can pet the sea lion, it might bite you, and that would not be a good thing. Yes. Seabirds, dolphins, and sea lions in particular are becoming ill from the rapid growth of certain species of algae, which produce a toxin called domoic acid. When domoic acid affects marine mammals, they become disoriented and even convulse and die underwater. The blooms can pose a danger to humans as well. People can get sick if they eat toxic fish, I'll say. Yeah. Though the California Department of Public Health monitors toxicity and closes shellfish beaches when they discover they're unsafe. So we do have a little bit of a guard there, but still. Watch yourself out there. We've poisoned this place. We have. We have. And I think, you know, we, we talked about the story a couple of weeks ago about the whales attacking. The, the orcas. The orcas. In uh, Spain there. Yeah, right off the coast of Spain that are attacking Yachts or boats or whatever, and boats. I do think that there is a realization, sentient beings or not, they understand that the world they live in is slipping away from them, uh -huh. and they're mad about it. That's what it is. You think that is? I do. Okay. I think whales, of all the mammals in the sea, 
have been shown to be intelligent. They have language. They have social structure. Yeah. They, they, yeah. I think they understand it, and we're and they understand that the the two-legged people are the ones who are As opposed to the four-legged. Plus, people. the four-legged people. Yeah. 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 From Smithsonian, according to a new study for a migrating monarch butterfly, the key to success might be its white speckled spots. I say speckled spots because they have, you know, black lines, mm-hmm. monarchs, mm-hmm. and orange, uh, well, they're kind of circleish things. Spots? Designs. Well, that's what I don't want you to confuse okay, it with. Sorry. Because people generally think that, mm-hmm. that uh, monarchs are orange and black, but there's little white spots on them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Scientists suspected, based on past research on seabirds, that monarchs with dark wings would have the most successful flights. But their findings reveal the opposite. Among 400 photographed pairs of monarch butterfly wings the team examined, the butterflies with the most white speckles had the most successful migrations. Hmm. The scientists say that having whiter wings could unevenly heat the wing surface in a way that reduces drag. This is something we can learn about for aviation, I would imagine. This would allow the insects to move more efficiently on their migratory journeys. And from Forbes, new routes. I don't know. I was thinking, do I call, say routes or routes? I always have that problem. Oh, okay. Because it's okay. When you said roots, I was thinking yeah, like something. Trees. With, trees and plants, yeah. But okay. Or music. Now I got you. New routes were added to the U.S. bicycle route system, including cycling paths along historic Route 66 through Oklahoma, mm. next to some of Minnesota's lakes, and alongside rivers in Delaware. The recently added routes have added more than 650 miles to the U.S. bicycle route system, which now boasts nearly 19,000 miles of routes in more than 30 states and Washington, D.C. Oh, fantastic. When completed, the network is expected to encompass 50,000 miles. This is good stuff. I remember this from my time at Public Works. There was a big push back around 2004. 14, 2015, on the part of the federal government, also in the state of California, to expand just what you're talking, expand yeah. people's access to, uh, to that. And I'm wondering to what degree these new electric bikes that have become ever-present in, in the area where I live, um, I wonder how much that's going to impact people using those routes. I assume yeah. it'll, they'll be doing more of it because... Yeah. We have a transition going on here with uh, yeah. robocars and electric bikes, yeah. and I think we're, yeah. it's a uh, yeah. might be a little bit unsafe right now out yeah. there. I agree. I agree. I like them. Yeah, I do too. But yeah. I but I've seen uh, people going on the wrong side of the street and on sidewalks and causing yeah. havoc with electric bikes. Exactly. And robocars are yeah. are nuts. They don't have the technology down on that. Yeah, and I agree. They're clogging up city streets and uh, actually preventing emergency vehicles from getting through certain situations. So uh, I think they might want to hold back a little bit and yeah. figure this thing out. Yeah, I agree. Can you name the top 10 causes of death in America, Mike? Just on the upbeat side. Yeah, right? I would say heart attack. Yeah. Smoking. Is that considered a uh, the, uh, more of this cancer, 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 cancer. There you go. Car accidents. Yeah. And I know what the other one is, and I'm not going to spoil the story. 
I think I know what's gonna you're gonna say. Talk about strokes? No. Heart From attacks. From the Guardian. Yes. We'll just jump into it before you spoil the story. Yeah. From the Guardian. From an editorial by Reverend William Barber and Greg Gonzalez. A recent study shows that cumulative poverty over many years is the fourth leading cause of death in the U.S. Current poverty, being poor right now, is seventh on that list, and it alone causes ten times as many deaths as homicide, close to five times as many deaths as gun violence, and 2.5 times as many deaths as drug overdoses. Cumulative poverty that lingers year after year is associated with approximately 60% more deaths than current poverty, putting only heart disease, cancer, and smoking-related deaths ahead in the number of Americans it kills. Overall, poverty causes 500 deaths a day in this country. So you might ask, why do we hear so much about crime rates, opioids, and gun violence in America, but so little about the crisis of poverty? Or why is there no Surgeon General's warning on low-wage jobs? Exactly, yes. The relationship of poverty to disease and death is well established in detailed reports by the World Health Organization, the World Bank, and our own government. But sadly, the United States is the leader in poverty among the rich countries of the world. As of 2019, the U.S. had the worst poverty rate overall, 17.8%. And in children specifically, 20.9% among the other 25 wealthy countries that are part of the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. That's, that's absolutely Shameful. unacceptable. And poverty is a drag on our economy, too. Yes, it is. Yeah, the excuse is always you don't want to help poor people because why should we ruin our economy right. just to help someone who didn't try hard enough. Exactly. It's all just It's work crap. ethic. It's trying hard enough. Keep your shoulder to the wheel or whatever they yeah. And otherwise, it's your fault. You ever hear that saying, lifting yourself up by your bootstraps? I, is that, yeah. Is that, yes, I have. It's impossible. <laughs> That's the whole idea of that saying. That's how that saying originated. Is that right? Something impossible to do. <laughs> okay. How can you do that? It's like pulling yourself up by your ponytail. <laughs> You can't do it. <laughs> but it is the cumulative effect of not being able to get to a doctor, not being able to put your kids in a school, not being able to find housing. And it takes time to do all that stuff, and, too, and to find housing, to put your kids in school. It's, it, they're not there available to you, so you put all that extra time into that, and that affects the poverty. And among industrial countries, certainly... The United States punishes our poor a lot more harshly than any of these other countries. We punish these people for being poor. Child poverty alone in the U.S. presents an $800 billion to $1 trillion price tag. That cost is based on reductions in adult productivity, criminal justice costs, and the cost of health care for children from poor families. We could lift everyone within our borders, above the poverty line for less than 1% of our national gross domestic product. That's $177 billion. It would be so positive, too. That's the incredible part. The the rich, greedy bastards that sit in their gated communities and don't want to look outside and hide from this this, shameful fact are destroying the country. One thing that has been evolving over the last few years is the idea of a basic income. I know Andrew, 
Yang talked about it during his run for president. It's being implemented around the country. It's well over 100 cities now are, have implemented a basic income for people who meet a certain requirements. And in Stockton, where it started, the, okay. the uh, mayor, Michael Tufts, is the one who started this. Or Tubbs, I'm sorry, Michael Tubbs. He gave $500 to people, and what it did was it allowed them, they had a, a floor in which they could work exactly. from there, put their kids, feed their kids, allow them to go to school, and from there they could begin to build a life. Yeah. 500 bucks. People just don't understand you talking about the floor. Yeah. What I mean it, is it, they have something that they can rely yeah, on every exactly. month. They can budget. What could be more capitalistic than giving people money to spend on necessities? Exactly. That just stimulates the economy all to hell instead of putting exactly. money into riding a submarine to look at the Titanic. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. Visit us on the web at KUCI.org, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash KUCI 88.9, on our Tumblr blog at KUCIRadio.tumblr.com, and on Twitter and Instagram at KUCIFM. Let's shift gears here. Nobody seems to have noticed this, Mike, but over the course of the spring, the country's four leading freight rail carriers agreed to grant the vast majority of their workers paid sick leave. Yes. That. However. (laughs) Everybody remembers what happened last November. Yes. The rail workers threatened to strike over sick days, among other issues. President Biden, generally very friendly toward labor, made it illegal for the workers to strike. He was criticized by unions and workers and fellow Democrats and liberal media outlets. None of that criticism was wrong at the time, but it wasn't the end of the story. The Biden administration kept imploring the rail companies to come around. Of course, the unions took the lead, but the administration's support was crucial. The vast majority of rail workers are now getting paid sick leave. As the International Brotherhood of Electrical Railroad Department Director Al Russo said, we're thankful that the Biden administration played the long game on sick days and stuck with us for months after Congress imposed our updated national agreement. Without making a big show of it, Joe Biden and members of his administration in the Transportation and Labor Departments have been working continuously to get guaranteed sick pay days for all Railroad workers. Good. Yeah. That's Good. what people aren't noticing yeah. about, about the Biden administration. Yeah. Things go wrong. Everybody bitches about it. Yeah. But they hang in there. Yeah. And months later, without any big fanfare, things go right. Yeah. I think at the time of the strike, the almost strike, they, had, they, were, they got like, what, one day, two days? It was some ridiculous amount of... Uh, leave, t- leave yeah, time. Yeah, it, was, it's, it's crazy. it wasn't fair at all. Yeah, at all. Yeah. And they were asking, yeah, whatever they were asking for. And this is the thing, and I'm among those people who have bitched and moaned at, about the Biden administration when they first came into office, that they were going to essentially allow the Republicans to get away with a lot of things. I was wrong. I've got to give credit to Joe Biden and his administration. They have done an awful lot of things that I would not have thought that they would have been able to do, and they've done it. So let's talk about guns. Okay. That's something I wish we could do more about. You know what they say about guns, Mike? 
The only way to stop a bad guy, and I'm not even going to repeat that, that BS. Go ahead. Uh, what do they say about guns? You know, uh, the, the, One good guy the, yeah, can, yeah. can shoot a bad guy yeah, unless the bad guy shoots the good guy first. <laughs> that one, I like that one. That one, that's my yeah. favorite one. Yeah, that's, that's Or how about this one? Guns don't kill people. They slaughter them. <laughs> that's exactly. Yes. From the New York Times, <laughs> according to a new study, some 22 million guns were sold in 2020, 64% more than in 2019. 64%. And more than 8 million of them went to novices who had never owned a firearm. That's comforting. So as you'd expect, firearm homicides increased that year to 19,350 from 14,392 in 2019. So we got, what, like 5,000 more deaths. Yeah. Oh, well. The death count from guns, including suicides, rose to 45,222 in 2020 from 39,702 in 2019. So we're talking about, you know, 5,500 there, more deaths. This is what guns do. Guns kill people. The number of lives lost to guns rose again in 2021 to 48,830 of the 7.5 million people who bought their first firearm during that period. 5.4 million had until then lived in homes without guns. So these are really new armed folk out there. 5.4 million of them. The new buyers were different from the white men who have historically made up a majority of gun owners. Half were women, 20% were black, and another 20% were Hispanic. Self-defense is the top reason Americans purchase handguns, or the perception of self-defense. Yeah. Right. Those planning to buy firearms were more likely to agree strongly with statements like, people can't be trusted. Yeah. People are not what they seem. <laughs> okay, and you need to watch your back. People are not what they seem, so shoot them. <laughs> that's, yeah, I, I guess that's what problem they're... solved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, buyers were also more fearful of uncertainty. They tended to strongly agree with statements like unforeseen events upset me greatly, and I don't like not knowing what, what comes, comes next. Yeah. Well, it means that they're frightened little children is what it means. Nobody uh, necessarily likes unforeseen events, unless they're great. I mean, there are some <laughs> wonderful unforeseen great events that I've experienced in my life, yeah, and which we can't talk about here on the radio. Yeah. Nevertheless, I guess these people focus on negativity. Right. They go out and buy a gun, which isn't a good sign if you get people who are thinking negative and don't trust people. To the point where they want to get a gun. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we live in an increasingly fearful society. Much of it is manufactured. Much of it is manufactured for the purposes of making sure that you continue to watch their TV network or listen to their radio network. It's done in a way to make us fearful of each other. And if you we think that's in, intentional? It, fear gets attention. Yeah. But do you think that's in? Yeah, I do. I think, well, intentionality as it matters to people making money off of it, yeah. yeah. Do, do I think they inherently believe that humans are to be feared or that we should kill as many of each other as we can? Probably not. But I do think anxiety brings attention to something. And if you're, yeah. if you're an advertiser, that's what you want. Yep. In spite of the guns for self-defense claims, more than half of all gun deaths in the United States are suicides. In 2021, for example, of the 48,830 gun deaths, 
26,328 were suicides. <sighs> Almost 30,000 suicides in 2021. And they were saying that the pandemic didn't cause a rise. This is just the statistics. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it was uh, pretty stable. And while research shows that some people buy a gun while they're planning a suicide, most people who use a gun to kill themselves already own the firearm for 10 years on average. Wow. I guess they just self-defense themselves to death. Yeah. From CBS News, Seaford, Delaware, a town of about 8,000, amended its charter to allow businesses, including LLCs, corporations, trusts, or partnerships, the right to vote in local elections. The law would go into effect once both sides of Delaware's state legislature approves it, and their state legislature is inclined to approve it. See how that one rolls. Okay. All right. From Reuters News Service, a new study found that fireworks suck eggs. The new research examined the environmental toll of firework displays around the world. Samples include fireworks and Spanish festivals impacting the breeding success of sparrows, July fireworks displays being implicated in the decline of cormorant colonies in California, and South American sea lions changing their behavior during breeding season because of New Year's fireworks in Chile. I hate fireworks. And just if anyone listening to the sound of our voices has a dog or a cat in the house when fireworks go off, I don't think you need a scientific study to know that that is terrible. Yeah, Yeah, that's right, Mahler. I understand the spectacle of it all. That should maybe stop when you're about eight or nine years old. (laughs) Things go boom and they make color. And yet there are people that are in awe of these things. It's an explosion. Yeah. It's an explosion. And there are people out there with PTSD. There are people with autism that are affected by this. And for what? You can't celebrate something without exploding something? Yeah, it's ridiculous. I just... We're coming up on 4th of July weekend, and right down the road from where I live is Laguna Beach. If you want evidence of just how obsessed people are with fireworks, just try to get in or out of Laguna Beach on 4th of July. It's just in, it's madness. It's absolutely well, they, crazy. They, there's no fireworks display down there, is there? Yeah. Or just one big city-run one. They yeah. don't allow fireworks. Oh, no, 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 no. They yeah. don't. I got stuck in that one time. It took me two hours to get out of town. Mm-hmm. It's two hours. I wasn't there for that. Just happened to be in the town when it happened. That's fascinating. Yes, I knew. So for people who are more fascinated, I have a blog about all the pointless stories that I've been telling here on Weekly Signals. So you can come and you can hear them all. Pointless stories by Mike. It's very popular. I went to the beach one day on the 4th Fourth of July, July, and boy, was it crowded. It was very crowded. Uh, <laughs> during fireworks displays, bees become so disoriented they can't find their way back to the hive. Birds have panic attacks at night, causing mass deaths. Wild animals raising babies abandon their dens in fear. And fish and other animals are poisoned to death after ingesting firework debris. And they're not eating it. It just goes through their gills. It gets into their system. And all for what? It's just incredible to me that the only way you can express your love for your country and get excited about your country is gunpowder. Exactly. Things blowing up. Come on. Use your head. Use your brain. There's wonderful things about this country you can experience without blowing things up. I hope this isn't a pointless story, but the the guy down the street Uh used to own the Anaheim Ducks, and they won a world champion or whatever. He owned them? Yeah. Yeah? One of the Broadcom guys. Okay. And so he parked a boat off the coast. And for like two hours, just had a fireworks display just 
Yeah, and all that stuff just goes into the, yeah. the water. Yeah. It's, it's just people in general forget about the impact that they have. Yeah. They want to ignore any impact that they have on things, their things surroundings. Things that go boom. <sighs> Remember the 1984 Macintosh ad, Mike? Yes, yeah. I do. By Ridley Scott. No was that a Ridley he Scott? Was direct, he directed okay. it. Yeah, yeah, he I didn't, didn't come up with the concept, yeah. but he directed it. It's very cool, I thought. Yeah. Apple, Apple wanted their new Mac to symbolize the idea of empowerment with the ad showcasing the Mac as a tool for combating conformity and asserting originality. Yeah. Yeah. It ended with a voiceover. On January 24th, Apple Computer will introduce Macintosh, and you'll see why 1984 won't be like 1984. Well... Well, now Apple's in the midst of a new rebranding strategy. They want to showcase themselves as an ignorant corporate overlord from Wired. For most of its 111-year history, the Fruit Union Suisse, that's in Switzerland, in case you're wondering, has had the logo of a red apple with a white cross. That's the Swiss national flag superimposed on one of the most common fruits, the apple. But the group now worries it might have to change its logo because Apple, the tech giant, is trying to gain intellectual property rights over depictions of all apples. Hmm. We have a hard time understanding this because it's not like they're trying to protect their bitten apple, their logo, you know, the apple with a bite. That's according to Fruit Union Swiss director Jimmy Mariathas. He said their objection here is really to own the rights to an actual apple, for which for us is something that is really almost universal, that should be free for everyone to use. That's frightening. Yeah. According to the World Intellectual Property Organization's records, Apple has made similar requests around the world with varying degrees of success. Oh, my God. Authorities in Japan, Turkey, Israel, and Armenia have acquiesced. A decision by the Swiss court will not be known for months, possibly years, For the Swiss apple growers, millions are at stake if they have to rebrand following a decision. My God. Yeah, it's just stupid. And I I feel bad that I even own a Macintosh. That's how I I feel. I've been in on it since the beginning, just about, since the the mid-1980s. I think you had one of the very first models, right? You got into it because you could do uh, publishing. Yeah, publishing. IBM didn't have any way to do graphics or publishing at that time. Apple did. You got into it. You learned the system. Gee, the more they uh, no. go down this route, the less I'm attracted to their product. I'm with you. I have said this before, bored people to death with it, and that is I didn't mind spending more money for an Apple because I felt we had an agreement that they weren't going to screw you. In the pro- I've, this, like, okay, the trade-off is I'm getting a high-quality product that I can bring back and get service, and it, it, they're wonderful about that, and I'll pay more money for that. But now it just feels like, the overlord idea, yeah. which is they, they now basically do whatever the hell they want. And it's ignorant, too, on their part. It's just ignorant. Yeah, Why would you want to protect an apple? This is, it just, this it's is, bad PR for them. Well, it says, it says something about the sensibility of a company that, think that's import, that thinks that's important. Yep. From the Associated Press, the manager of a morgue at Harvard Medical School was charged with selling body parts from donated cadavers and allowing buyers to come to the morgue to choose which parts they wanted. The defendants were all part of a nationwide network that bought and sold human remains stolen from Harvard Medical School and a mortuary in Little Rock, Arkansas. According to federal prosecutors, from 2018 to 2022, 
The morgue manager stole parts from cadavers that had been donated to the medical school and dissected, including heads, brains, skin, and bones, before their scheduled cremations. The remains were then shipped to customers, including a store called Cat's Creepy Creations in Peabury, Massachusetts, which advertises creepy dolls, oddities, and bone art on Instagram. At times, the morgue manager allowed buyers into the morgue to choose which parts they wanted, kind of like a body part showroom. Mm -hmm. In October 2020, two dissected faces sold for $600. In one transaction, the morgue received $1,000 with a memo that read, head number seven. I guess they didn't want, you know, (laughs) head one through six. Yeah, Yeah. Abby normal. Yeah, as part of another payment, a memo read, Brains. From Automotive News. Odometer fraud is a big business in the United States. Estimates say the scheme costs consumers over $1 billion a year. And while it's largely been relegated to sketchy dealers and private sellers on Craigslist, now FedEx and Holman Automotive have been accused of rolling back the odometers on old delivery trucks in a new lawsuit. What? Companies like FedEx ordinarily get rid of their delivery trucks when they hit their operational limit, usually around 350,000 miles. But in the suit, plaintiffs say a scheme involving old trucks started over a decade ago when FedEx decided to stop scrapping the trucks and sent them to auto auctions instead. So you can't trust FedEx anymore. No. Well, you can trust weekly signals. That's right. And you can trust Mahler. And you can trust Mahler. Yeah. Yeah, Mahler. You're a good boy, Mahler. Always so insightful, too. And finally, from Euronews, as of next week, travelers will no longer be able to ride bus 666 to the popular Polish seaside resort of hell. The change of the... The change of the bus number came following criticism from conservative religious groups who called the use of the bus number of the beast satanic stupidity and blasted the bus route as scandalous anti-Christian propaganda. Nathan, you know what I call their criticism? What? Galactically stupid. Galactically stupid. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. The bus line 666 to hell was long considered a harmless joke by tourists and locals, as well as a cost-free marketing tactic to promote hell, (laughs) a popular destination for tourists with sandy beaches and pine forests. Sounds like a nice place. I'm going to to hell, hell. yeah. Yeah, I'm going to hell, too. (laughs) But not to worry, Mike. Travelers are still able to take the bus to hell and back with the new bus number 669. (laughs) You can subscribe to the Weekly Signals Weekly Review Podcast at weeklysignals.com. Weeklysignals.com. Subscribe now.